suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there, welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through the high seas of life. This is Memento 14, Xerxes 11, Uh uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit number 5. And we left off in our last episode of Xerxes, uh uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit, at the moment in the story of O, where O, as the zombies would sing 25 centuries later, told the king, no, 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 as he made untoward advances toward his sister-in-law. Now, what should a poor king do? It's a bit Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones-ish, but it is the history I present that is accurate in general, but it's not verifiable should you study Herodotus. So step number two on that path to perdition, Xerxes, the king of kings, now he now feels even more slighted, more dehorsed, if you will, having now Ahura Mazda forbid, you know, Zoroastrian God forbid, having been rejected by a mere mortal and a woman, no less, you know, his, his low T count plummeting precipitously into the, the dangerous range equating that of his court eunuchs. Denied his desires, albeit the best kind, his obscene desires. You know, a far worse ego-depleting development than having lost the war to the Greeks. You know, the king now convinced himself he desperately needed to institute plan B, to put it into motion right now. He must deploy whatever royal actions would be necessary to restore, to reinvigorate his threatened, badly damaged manhood. You know, in 486 uh, BC, Xerxes would have been denied access to the kind of wonderkind supplements we have available to men in the year 2023, such as fluoxymesterone, you know, marketed, nonsense, by the way, but marketed as a miracle cure, cure-all treatment for symptoms of low T, the feared low T, exacerbated, no doubt, in any adult male who's whose recent experiences have included, A, having one's ass kicked in war by Greeks, no less. B, which then necessitated Xerxes' flight home in terror, a most deflating set of circumstances one might imagine. You know, French men during World War II, they too experienced this sort of humbling demasculation, the always ferocious, always feared, if even metaphorical, forced panectomies coerced by German soldiers, the Wehrmacht and the SS, to sit back and just take it and watch as French women throughout the country of France chased after, canoodled with, and whom performed all the other kinds of behaviors associated with the adoption of horizontal collaborateur positions, usually 
but not always performed in the nude with the gloating, grinning, simply delighted, occupying German forces, regardless of their rank. Oh, this was so, so painful to Frenchmen. And, and those German soldiers were extremely fit. You know, they were confident, very virile, well-groomed, well-dressed, handsome men, especially those in those awesome form-fitting Hugo Boss designed black SS uniforms, still considered to this day the coolest military uniforms ever designed. You know, these supermen, ubermensch, you know, thought some at the time. French women found the unis and the men very attractive. Yes, they did. And millennia before all those Frenchmen were forced to endure this all-encompassing humiliation, all-engulfing embarrassment at the hands of their conquerors, Xerxes suffered from a very similar, yet always frightening condition, hypogonadism, where the male body just doesn't produce sufficient levels of natural testosterone. Ass-kicking in war and subsequent refusal by your brother's wife of a sexual trust likely will do that to any man. But to be endured by a king, the king of kings, this was, this was unconscionable. No way. Immediate remedies were required. Hence, the king of kings, he just had to act. Xerxes had no recourse but to issue king's orders. And he did. What Xerxes ordered done next requires some critical thinking, critical thinking to get one's head around it. And as with critical race theory, it, it doesn't appear to make much sense. Let's start there. So Xerxes issues orders. They were definitely not the most straightforward of plans. But try to follow. Then, then tell me if you disagree with me. The king's plan was crazy, selfish, immoral, disgusting, and just plain sick. Xerxes appeared to possess the qualities and character a deranged, cruel Roman emperor such as Caligula would later exhibit. Of this there is no doubt. And with, with orders issued such as the ones Xerxes would order, no wonder Xerxes lost a war for which he is still remembered 2,500 years later. It is not shocking we learn that Xerxes was later assassinated by royal court intrigue. Hmm. Step number two on that path to perdition. Xerxes issues orders to rectify his humiliation. Xerxes, frustrated by O's rejection of his sexual advances, now demands that his son Darius marry O's daughter. Now keep in mind, O's husband is Xerxes' brother, Masistes. O and Masistes' daughter is named Artainty. So in effect, Xerxes has now demanded two first cousins marry. Now, perhaps this is not hard to imagine in Persian 480 BC, in Utah, in, well, Utah at any time, or wherever the movie Deliverance with Burt Reynolds was filmed, or, you know, at any time if it involved the family of, say, Jerry Lee Lewis. 
And it's, and it's not as if the newlyweds had any choice in the matter. They could not refuse the king's demand. They just couldn't. Darius and Artainty were then duly married. Step number three on that path to perdition. So while this sudden order by Xerxes that Darius and Artainty be married appears odd, I would think it odd, it was not as weird as was his next order. Xerxes demanded his son Darius and his new wife Artainty they must live within the confines of the royal palace where Xerxes resided with his wife Queen Amestris. Hmm. Suffice, suffice it to say, Xerxes notoriously hypersensitive, notoriously jealous, easily incensed Queen Amestris. In modern lingo, she was not a happy camper. No, she was not. And she didn't appreciate the proposed new living arrangements. Perhaps, perhaps she saw problems on the horizon. It's safe we also conclude that Queen Amestris felt a little bit like um, Sergeant O'Neill when he whimpered to the always menacing Sergeant Barnes in Oliver Stone's classic um, Vietnam War film, Platoon. You know, Barnes, I got a bad feeling on this one, all right? I mean, I got a bad, bad feeling. I don't think I'm going to make it out of here. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? To which Barnes darkly you know, responded, replied, Everybody got to die sometime, Red. <laughs> Queen Amestris, in other words, she saw, she saw that there was a bad moon on the rise. What she saw on the horizon? Storm clouds building. Yes, she did. Step number four on that path to perdition. Xerxes had been shut down, shut down absolutely, when he had hit on his brother's wife, O. His sister-in-law, O., she was not going at any time to boogie, to get down with the king, no matter how persist persistently he dogged her ass. She wasn't going to have it, period. Uh-uh. She outright refused, rejected the king's advances. Getting nowhere with O, Xerxes shifted gears. Hmm. In this regard, Xerxes demonstrated far greater flexibility for the achievement of his bedroom objectives than he ever had previously demonstrated in seeking achievements on the battlefields or the seas of Greece. And Xerxes had concluded, if I can't get it on, if I can't screw my brother's wife, oh, then, then maybe I'll have more luck trying to screw my son's wife, that nubile, sweet young thing, our tainty, oh's daughter. The dog, Xerxes, the dirty dog. He wasn't going to get any afternoon delight, as it were, from O. But maybe, just maybe, he thought, I can get a bit on the side from O's daughter. Maybe she'll just give it up. You know, for after all, like Jesse Jackson, that notable scumbag, philanderer, adulterer, I am somebody, I am somebody. I am. Xerxes said, I am king. In fact, I am the king of kings. Repeat after me. I am somebody. And after a while, you start to believe it. I am somebody. Maybe I really am somebody. You start to believe. You see, you see, you see rainbows and maybe a rainbow coalition, if you will. Anyway, 
So the king of kings, he decided to devote his time and all of his energy to screwing his daughter-in-law rather than his sister-in-law. Despite the fact that either way, he'd also be screwing over his brother or his son in the process of getting himself laid. But you know, it's tough being king. You just got to make those tough calls in life. You know, one time I, I, I saw Neil Young interviewed and he had said, yeah, Neil Young, the singer, he said in the effort to make it to the top of his profession, the music business, one had to be ruthless, be willing to leave people behind. Those were his exact words. You have to be willing to leave people behind. And he said he'd always been extremely ambitious, wanted to make it to the top desperately. And as a result, he'd been ruthless. He had to be. And he was willing to leave people behind if that's what it took. And that's what it did take. And he did. And in that regard, Xerxes showed he had been as Neil Young would be. People were expendable, expendable commodities, and just and some just they just had to be left behind. And wouldn't you know it, Xerxes' daughter-in-law, Ardente, she proved to be far less moral than had been her mother. Oh, far less loyal than her mother had been, and far less loyal and committed to her husband, Xerxes' son, Masistes, conveniently residing now on his orders right there in the royal palace, the young Ardente began giving it up. She began giving it up to the king right there under the noses of her own husband, Masistes, and the queen, Amestris, herself. But, you know, decisions made in life do have consequences. There are even those Donald Rumsfeldian unknown unknowns to be feared in life that will develop. And history is the recording of the unintended consequences of decisions that have been made. And when anger is involved in decisions, as it will be in the circumstances we are discussing, well, well then, one isn't in control of what happens thereafter because anger drives the equation. And when anger is the primary determinant of any equation, then what you get are very unanticipated outcomes. And this is what we are going to talk about in our next episode of Forbidden Fruit unforeseeable outcome. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll turn in, tune in. I am again soon in a Bye-bye. far off place Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys And beautiful hills each vista something new And though my imagination has been captured My thoughts they return to you So can you help relieve me Of this burden on my back There's something wrong deep inside of me Or something I must lack like.
for I've got this worry you'll be leaving me And I must admit it that I'm scared 